Well, what's up, Westside friends, and hello to everybody who will experience this message through the magic of the internet. My name is Adam, and I'm so thankful uh, to be the senior pastor here at First United Methodist Church. I'm thankful that you have chosen time to prioritize God's word, and I hope that this is uh, an encouraging and challenging time for you to receive uh, what God has for us this morning. We're in our fifth week of our series, Magic Words, and we've been looking at uh, the big difference that these small words can make in our lives. You know, what could be different in our lives if uh, our language became different? What, what kind of change could happen if we changed the way we spoke? And so our magic words this week are going to be thank you. My hope is that you'll leave here with a refreshed perspective on what it means to be thankful. And I hope that we'll be eager to express our thanks to God, to the people we're in relationship with our lives, and even people we may not know at all. Uh, Sarah and I have a two-year-old daughter named Betsy, and she's just as cute as can be. Uh, this is a picture of her when she was 10 months old. She was born with a condition called torticollis, and that means the muscles in her neck were, were tense, and she couldn't tilt her head to one side. That had a lot of interesting ramifications. Uh, when she leaned back, as, as infants do, um, she started developing a flat spot, and you can actually see that her head is, was kind of cocked and turned. Those are all kind of symptoms of this condition. Uh, she, she wore this helmet to treat it, uh, to fix that flat spot, and she did physical therapy to stretch and relax the muscles in her neck. She wore this helmet for 23 hours a day. Now, I mentioned Betsy's helmet in a sermon before, but to me, this whole scenario was a, was a prime example of perspective. Because the deal was, in December 2017, that's when she was diagnosed with this condition, with torticollis. We actually got the helmet in January of 2018. And what that meant, some of y'all know where this is going. What that meant is that our, all of our co-pays and our deductibles and all of that stuff rolled over. So we had to start from zero, which made it a lot more expensive. So I had a choice to make, right? I could be thankful for the medical care I have access to, or I could be upset at the cost of the helmet, right? I could be upset that, that Betsy was born with a condition, or I could be thankful that she was born with one that was so easily treatable. It's a matter of perspective. I could choose to be thankful that all it took to fix my precious baby's skull was a little bit of money and some time with appointments at a physical therapist. Like, that's amazing that, that, that she was cured, that it was fixed. I think we have a tendency to lose perspective when it comes to being thankful. I'm, I'm not the only one, am I? Uh, to paraphrase a podcast host that I love to listen to, uh, thankfulness is a function of expectations. And what I mean by that is, I, I think different people have different thresholds for what it takes to inspire a thankful response. Some of you are like me, who as a borderline millennial, loves being thanked and praised for meeting minimum expectations. Right, that's, that's, that's a strength of mine, is, is being praised for minimum, meeting minimum expectations. If, if we, people like me, we meet a deadline or we deliver on a task as expected, we want to be thanked and we tend to be thankful of others that just kind of meet expectations. Others of us 
don't thank people for meeting minimum expectations. As one comedian has said, you don't get extra credit for something you were supposed to do. So uh, no matter where you're at on the spectrum, I think over time we grow accustomed to things, we kind of get used to them, and as, as that happens, our perspective shifts and we become less thankful. The longer we're used to something, the easier it is to take it for granted, to just expect it, and to not be thankful. Like, when, when was the last time you told someone you're close to that you're thankful for them? And, and remembering and, and remaining a thankful person, it's, it's kind of hard when things are going well. And it gets even harder when life has been hard. In our scripture today, we're going to hear from someone whose life has been hard. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Colossians. We're going to be in chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. And the letter is addressed to the church in the ancient Phrygian city of Colossae. And that's in modern day Turkey. Got a little map for you. Went, went to the old encyclopedia. The author of Colossians is Paul. So that's where we get the, the name. It's a letter written to the Colossians, the church in Colossae. Paul is the author, and he hadn't actually traveled to the church there, but he had written to encourage the believers there and to give them some teaching about the nature of Jesus. There were some in Colossae who taught that Jesus was only human and not divine. We're going to see that played out uh, here in a little bit. And Paul wrote them this letter. He set out to correct this kind of false teaching. And he wanted to give the Christian community a vision for how they should function. So Paul is also writing this letter from prison. And, and that makes his teaching on being thankful even more remarkable. So let's pick up in Colossians 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. I believe there's a connection between peace and being thankful. A mentor of mine used to describe for me his favorite moment of the year when he was most at peace. And it was on Christmas Eve when all of his family, even as his kids grew, they'd come back home for Christmas Eve and they were all under one roof. And it was that moment when everyone had gone to bed and, and he, would, he would just kind of take in that moment anticipating joy the next morning. And, and that was a moment for him of peace where he was so thankful for everything that year and for his family all being together. What a moment, right? That's a beautiful picture. Pretty easy to be thankful in a moment like that. But when we experience uh, peace in our life, it, it often accompanies being thankful. But I think for a lot of us, those moments can kind of be few and far between, right? So what happens when it's not as apparent for what we should be thankful for? What I would propose to you is that the reverse can be true, that we can actually thank our way into being at peace. This way, we're not making peaceful circumstances a condition for us to be thankful, because we know that's not always going to be the case. The Greek word used when Paul says thankful is eucharistoi, from eucharistos, which means thankful. Now, some of us that have been around church a while, we may have picked up on that, I'll say it like a Missourian, eucharistos. We may have picked up on that. It's like, wait, that sounds a little bit familiar. It sounds a lot like the Eucharist. 
And that's how some folks in the Christian tradition refer to communion or the Lord's Supper. They call it the Eucharist. Now, why is that? This isn't just like random Bible trivia time. I'm not trying to impress you uh, with my, you know, ability to look up information. The reason that's relevant is because uh, some use the term Eucharist to describe the Lord's Supper because that's the way that Jesus addressed his disciples. Let's take a look at uh, the book of Luke and the book of Mark. This is where we get a lot of our language around communion. That's what we call it. And he took bread, he is Jesus, and he gave thanks. Got the Greek word in parentheses there for you. Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That's from Luke 22. And then the book of Mark we read, then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. When Jesus served his disciples bread and wine, he gave thanks. He gave thanks for it. And the word he used has the same Greek root as the word that Paul uses for being thankful here in Colossians 3, eucharistos. Jesus, who was giving thanks to God hours before his imminent betrayal and death, What a picture. What a picture. So in Jesus, we find a pattern that we can imitate, which shows us that we don't have to be in ideal circumstances in order to be thankful. To me, that's good news. That we can live a Eucharistic life, a life marked by thankfulness, which is intentionally choosing to hold the perspective of being thankful, despite whatever circumstances we may be facing. Paul continues to speak on being thankful again while he's in jail. Let's read on. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. This message that Christ is, uh, excuse me, that Paul is, is proclaiming about Christ, that's, that's what he wrote to them for to tell them about the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and to help correct some of the teaching they had received. We read in Colossians chapter two about how in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. You can hear the message Paul is trying to convey to them, proper sound teaching, what he had himself received from Jesus. He's trying to pass on to the church in Colossae. When he tells the church to teach and admonish, or another, you know, I don't, I don't know when the last time I used that in a sentence was, it probably wasn't a fun one, <laughs> but uh, another word for admonish in other translations, uh, we can think of that as instruct, instructing one another. With psalms, hymns, and songs, Paul's giving instructions for how they should function as a church. And, and this letter was written, a lot of scholars think, around the year 60 AD, very early on in, in the existence of the church. And and so in the first century, it's helpful for us to to remember that the church probably looked a lot more like what we would call a small group than with a lot of our modern methods of larger gatherings in worship in 2019. So that's important to know. I think it's also uh, important to touch on. Sometimes I, I think that people conceive of the early church like it was perfect, like it was ideal. And if we could just go back to the first century and and get it right like they did, we would be doing a lot better. 
Well, the early church wasn't perfect. That's why these letters were written, because they had some stuff to address. So I think that perspective is important as well. Things needed attention, and that was why Paul was writing to the community in Colossae. So sticking with this theme, Paul says that their songs should be sung with gratitude in their hearts. Again, very closely related to being thankful. The sense here in the the word uh, gratitude is acknowledgement of appreciation to God. And then Paul adds, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I love the all-encompassing message here, that whatever you do, do it all in Jesus' name. Now, what's, what's that mean? We, that's the thing we hear in songs a lot about the name of Jesus, or we, we sing songs about the power of the name. What, what does that mean? To do something in Jesus' name is to act with the understanding that you are representing him. That, 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 that you are like his ambassador, his representative in whatever you do. So just like today in the first century, there was plenty of folks who kind of just give lip service to religion, check the box, and then go live their life however they want. What Paul's trying to do is connect good Christian teaching, good theology with actual living. He's trying to connect uh, ideas and actions. He's trying to connect belief with actions. If you say you believe this, then whatever you do should reflect that belief. And whatever we do as followers of Jesus, this should be done giving thanks to God the Father through him. And we end with that same sense of thankfulness, that eucharistos, Paul's desire is that the believers would have a daily attitude of thankfulness. Our call is to live a Eucharistic life, a life that gives thanks to God. I want to speak for a moment to folks that are hurting. You know, as a staff, we pray for folks regularly, and and we're aware of the many needs within our church and, and in our surrounding community I know we have people in our church, in our community, that have several excellent reasons to feel less than thankful. So I want to encourage those folks for a moment. Some of us may have to look around and kind of scrounge up some things to be thankful for just to make it through today. And I wanted somebody to know that you're doing a great job just by doing that. If you're suffering right now, especially with somebody um, that you've lost, if you're experiencing grief right now, I wanna remind you that two things can be true at the same time. That you can be in mourning and that the pain can remind you of how much that person meant to you. You can be thankful for the love you shared and devastated that life just won't be the same. Sometimes we have to thank our way to peace. A lot of times, we don't naturally feel thankful. It's something we're gonna have to summon. And I think that's true for all of us, no matter where we're at this morning or whatever time of day you experience this message. Being thankful doesn't always come naturally. A perspective of giving thanks requires intentionality because giving leaks, right? It's like a bucket with some holes. You gotta keep filling it up intentionally. Anybody who's ever been on a mission trip 
right, where you go away for a few days, usually with a larger group of people. Um, maybe sometimes it's in another country where conditions are way different than you're used to, or maybe it's, it's with a large group here, here stateside. Either way, I don't know anybody who's ever been on a mission trip and doesn't come home and like have a world of appreciation for their shower, right? That first post-mission trip shower, there's nothing like it. It's like, oh, wait, wait, you mean I can shower at a temperature of my choosing for as long as I want? This is amazing, (laughs) right? But then what happens after like a day? It starts to wear off and it's just the shower you've always been used to. The longer we've been used to something, the easier it is to neglect gratitude. Like a bucket with holes at the bottom, if we want a Eucharistic life, we gotta keep filling that bucket back up with gratitude because it leaks. And what I'm interested in is how we say thank you to God, to the people we're in relationship with, and even to people that we don't even know. I saw this picture online years ago And it's always stuck with me. It's a viral, one of these viral blog posts uh, from a parent's blog called Moments a Day. And it's a list of things that seem to be a burden, but we should be thankful for. Early wake-ups, not my specialty. I like to tell people, listen, if it's before 10 a.m., I'm faking it. (laughs) What time we record this, Mike? 10 a.m. on Thursdays. (laughs) That's right. Early wake-ups, not my specialty. But we can sort of reposition our perspective. Waking up early means we have children to love when they come in and wake us up at five in the morning. A house to clean means you have a safe space to live. A pile of laundry means you have clothes to wear. The stack of dirty dishes means you have food to eat. You have the burden of grocery shopping. We think this is so hard that now the new thing is the grocery stores will actually deliver it to you or have it waiting for you. Oh, we'll make it as easy as possible. But we neglect to be thankful for the fact that we've got resources to go pick out what we want to eat. That's incredible. That's a privilege most of the world won't ever enjoy. Be thankful that we have a giant building filled with food we can access. Toilets to clean means that we have indoor plumbing. Man, my wife's grandparents, they grew up without indoor plumbing. Blows my mind. Something I've never lived without. A noisy home, right? Stress. Well, or it means you have people in your life. That feeling of being sore and tired in bed reminds us that we're grateful to be alive. How often do we think of things as a burden when we can choose the perspective to see them as a blessing? How often do we think of things as a burden that we can choose instead to see as a blessing? Let's take the opportunity each and every day to tell God, thank you. Gratitude leaks. We have to be intentional about filling our hearts with it and expressing that gratitude to God, but also to the people in our lives. One thing that gets me every time is, is videos of, of these amazing athletes at the peak of their careers or, or when they've done so much, they're elected into the hall of fame. And, and one of these moments was by Kevin Durant a few years ago, and he's receiving the Most Valuable Player Award, the MVP of uh, the National Basketball Association. This was when Kevin Durant was on the Oklahoma City Thunder. And he begins by thanking God, and then he goes to his teammates, and finally his mama. Let's check it out. When, you, when something good happens to you, 
I don't know about you guys, but I tend to look back to what brought me here. And you wake me up in the middle of the night, in the summer times, making me run up a hill, making me do push-ups, screaming at me from the sideline of my games at eight or nine years old. We wasn't supposed to be here. You made us believe. You kept us off the street. Put clothes on our backs, food on the table. When you didn't eat, you made sure we ate. You went to sleep hungry. You sacrificed for us. <laughs> you the real MVP. Oh man, like it gets me. It gets me every time. Her face. You the real MVP. He tells his mom, "Who's an MVP in your life?" that you can thank this week. Be intentional about it. Gratitude leaks. One of the groomsmen in my wedding, oh, Kai, I gotta <clears throat> get myself together here. Oh, the, the speech to mama, oh, it really does. Woo! One of the groomsmen in my wedding, he worked for a long time at Quick Trip, and he used to tell me all the time about how when people were on their phones or doing something or whatever, when they were checking out at the cashier's booth, whatever, desk, Man, like so often people wouldn't even acknowledge my friend. It was like he was a cyborg just, just performing a transaction. They just, they just went about their business and didn't even acknowledge that there was another human taking care of them. I think we have a massive opportunity to show gratitude to people we don't even know. There are a bunch of people out there, some of us are those people, who make a living serving others. And if gratitude leaks, these folks' bucket is empty. I'm telling you. So don't underestimate the power of looking someone in the eye and telling them, thank you. Magic words, for sure. So, I hope you can find opportunities each and every day to say thank you to God, to people in your life, and even to strangers. Gratitude leaks, and when we're intentional about being grateful to God with everything we do, then we can experience the reign of Christ and that peace in our hearts. Whatever you brought in here with yourself today, wherever you find yourself, may you go and live a Eucharistic life. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for our hearts beating, for the breath we draw, for the community that we can experience, and for your presence in our lives. Help us to be people that give thanks. Help us to pattern our lives after the example of Jesus, that no matter what the circumstances, we still give thanks to you for all you've done. Help us to continually fill up that bucket with gratitude that pours out from our hearts. And we extend that to you, we extend that to people in our lives, and we extend that to strangers. May we live a Eucharistic life that gives thanks no matter the circumstances. And everybody said, amen.